today and how hope should really affect our lives. And Justin had reached out and talked about uh, doing this, and I'm like, oh, you know, that would make a great example because I'm terrible at that. And I ought to be more hopeful about my birthdays than I've been in the past. And you might say, well, that's just a small thing. And you're right. It is a small thing. But I think sometimes it's the small things that make a difference in our lives. And if we start paying attention to the small things, I feel like the bigger things would come along too. But sometimes we neglect the small things and then the big things follow suit. So today... We're going to finish our series on The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. It's the book that helps us take the spiritual disciplines that we're maybe aware of or some that we maybe weren't aware of and use them in our lives to live out the life that God has always intended for us to live out. And we've come to chapter 13. We started this all the way back last October. And we're talking about endurance through the months of, of August. And we've made it. October to August, we have endured, or have we endured? Because remember, last week we talked about endurance is not just going from point A to point B. Maybe you've been here for all of those sermons, or maybe you've even read the book and you've engaged with part of it, but has it shaped our lives? Has it changed us? Has endurance finished its work in us? Well, I guarantee it hasn't finished its work in us, but hopefully it's done something in us. Hopefully we've engaged with the process enough that we have seen change and transformation in our lives, and we will continue to see change and transformation as we move through. There is a Scottish minister by the name of William Barclay, and he said this about endurance. He says, endurance is not just the ability to bear a hard thing, but to turn it into glory. Last week we referenced Psalm 84 and the people of God that walk through the valley of weeping, but they make it a place of springs. Endurance is not just getting from point A to point B, but it's allowing the maximum glory of God to be revealed in that moment. And that's what we've talked about as we've looked at Romans 5 and Philippians 3 over the last several weeks. And the three words that we've used, position and purpose and perspective, to kind of frame that conversation. And today, we're going to talk about that final word, perspective, and I've titled the message, Staying in Hope, Staying in Hope. And for the sake of review, I want to go back and just read Romans chapter 5 and Philippians chapter 3 and just reset that up so that we can talk and have this conversation today about hope. And so Romans chapter 5, verse 1, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, remember position, That's the position we have. We've been declared righteous by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained access into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of God's glory. So we've now moved from position to starting to talk about purpose. Not only this, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance character and character hope in philippians chapter 3 the apostle paul says whatever were gains to me i now consider loss for the sake of christ what is more 
I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may, be, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Again, this is all positional language. Faith in Christ bringing us into this. Not having the righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Now the shift. We're going to start moving into purpose. I want to know Christ. I want to experience Him. I want to know the power of His resurrection. I want to know the participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And Paul says, not that I've already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on, that's my purpose, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus already took hold of me. I already have it, yet I strive for it all at the same time. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Then down to verse 20, But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly awaiting for Him to return as our Savior. So over the last two weeks, we've talked about our standing with God, our identity with Him, our righteousness, our position in Christ. We've talked about our purpose. The purpose of striving to bring the kingdom into our lives, to endure hardships or sufferings, so that the character of Christ gets worked out in our lives, but also the aspect of the kingdom being released through that, and we're going to develop that a little bit more even today, ultimately leading us to hope. Can I tell you, if your interpretation of the Bible does not end with hope, you're interpreting it wrong. If your interpretation of the Scripture is pessimistic, you're doing it wrong. The word hope, you just study it. Look on, find a Bible app, BibleGateway.com. Type in the word hope and look at how often hope appears. We serve the God of all hope. And so we have to make sure that we ultimately stay in hope and what that means. Craig Groeschel, he's just a pastor in the United States that I, I listen to his podcasts, I, I read a lot of his books. He says this, those who are the closest to God have gotten there only because they keep climbing the path of faith out of the valleys in their lives. Instead of trying to run back, what did Paul say? Forgetting what's behind. Instead of trying to run back, retracing their steps to some former peak, they've leaned into the hardships and wrestled with God, questioning Him and yet trusting that He is good and that He will use everything to achieve His purposes and that He will bring them back out stronger, better, and closer to Him than ever before. The raise, that's the exact reason that you and I can keep a perspective that is always centered in hope. Because God is always at work. Always. Hope is not wishful thinking or imagination. 
Like we've, we talked about, I won't name any sports teams in general today, but all of us, whether we like sports or don't, understand the concept that when a sports team starts the, the year, they're all hopeful that they're going to win. But guess what? They don't all get to win. And so hope in our cultural concept isn't a certainty, it's just kind of a mm, wishful thing. Biblical hope is different. Biblical hope is fixed, it's secure, it's certain, and it has to be centered in the character and the nature of God. It's not how I want to interpret things, but it's how God has revealed Himself through His Word, through His Spirit, through His Son, and all of that working together teaches me the character of God, and when I understand that, my hope is fixed, it's certain. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Our soul would define like our emotions, our will, our mind. And how many of you know our emotions, our will, our mind are wishy-washy as human beings? They sometimes get affected by just about anything. But the hope we have in Jesus, the hope we have in God secures those emotions. So even if they go out of kilter for a season, they can always come back. That hope is an anchor. Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promises. We sang about this today. What He did then, He still does today because He's consistent. He's faithful. If we are unfaithful, Hebrews says He remains faithful because He cannot deny Himself. He is faithful. That's hope. In Hebrews 11.1 1, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. It is reality. It is evidence. It's certain. It's true. It's steady. It's constant. Faith and hope. 1 Peter chapter 3. You must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer... Always be ready to explain it. But here's the thing. As a Christian, if I live my life more like example one than example two when I talk about my birthday or when I talk about my job or when I talk about my family or when I talk about our current cultural climate, nobody's going to ask me about the hope I have because it's not evident. We have got to stay in hope. Does that mean we don't deal with issues? No, we deal with issues. We're going to talk about it. But we stay in hope. Proverbs tells us that, I don't have this on the screen, but it tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I think sometimes as Christians, we start interpreting the Bible more in a cultural way or more in a selfish way or more in a way that we want it to mean rather than what it fully means. We cannot just take a verse here and a verse there and study the Word however we think the Spirit might be leading us. This is why it's important to be in a community of believers that wrestle with the Word together to make sure we're keeping it in context, to make sure we're understanding the historical context that it was written in so we understand how it applies to our lives today because I have seen many a believer sidetracked because they thought God's word said something and when God didn't hold to that promise they just walked away 
And I would be here to tell you, God never promised what they thought He promised, but they twisted the word because they wanted it to fit what they wanted. And so we want to be careful that we take the nature of Jesus, who came as the exact representation of God, the entire Scripture, and keep them together as we formulate what the character of God is, and we know this, He's always at work. He's always good. Those are certain things. He is always at work. He's always good, even when the circumstances of my life would seem to contradict that. We cannot be lazy and haphazard with the Scripture. In our day and age, you've heard that the Gospel is simple. It's childlike. And that is absolutely true. But sometimes I think that means we can just randomly select how we want to read or study the Word. And there are some books of the Bible, I would guess that as a follower of Jesus, you haven't spent a whole lot of time in, or I haven't spent a whole lot of time in. And we wonder sometimes why we're getting it wrong. And so week after week, we try to bring different aspects of the Word together. We try to have small groups. We try to do things in a way that keeps the entire Scripture together, that focuses on who Jesus revealed God to be so that we don't misinterpret. Does that mean we'll get it all right? No. There are pastors today and there are churches that, that act like and will preach like that everything they believe is correct. And they will do their best to tell you what people to stay away from because those people are wrong. You won't find that here. If someone is egregiously leading people astray, perhaps we'll bring that up. But we want to teach you the truth so you can figure that out for yourself. And what I found is some people have some things right and all people have some things right. And some people have all eh, some things wrong. There's not a whole lot of churches or believers that have it all wrong. But we listen and we grow and we learn from one another. And so, as we start talking about hope today, I'm hoping to lay a foundation for something that we're going to do in September. Because I, I, I told you we were going to get to Revelation. We're going to get to Revelation sometime in the month of September. But over the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about some of the, the things that we start to talk about today. We're going to kind of bring out some different aspects of, of hope and what that should look like in our lives. So for today, I want to give you three words that I think define hope biblically. The first is, hope is supernatural. Hope is supernatural. It comes from the God of all hope. Hope is not something that we work up. It's not positive thinking. It's not positive mental attitude. It's not just something that you just try to, to keep yourself in. You have to, it comes from God and it stays with God. So when I'm feeling hopeless, my first resort is to ask Him for hope. I love that today we took time often through the worship time, through the songs that were on the screen, to ask God to do something in us. I don't know about you, but in those moments, my heart is engaged because I'm recognizing I need Him to do those things in my life. I know that as I go out into this world, my tendency is going to be critical, negative, and seeing faults in people, and I need God to do something in that worship moment that begins to transform my perspective. So I ask, and I guarantee you that when I go out this week, I'm not going to do it perfectly. But I'm hoping that I close the gap between the time I do it wrong and the time I ask Him to fill me with hope again. We keep our eyes on 
Him. It's supernatural. Ephesians 1.18, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. The work of that in the context of Ephesians 1 is done by the Holy Spirit. He is the one that enlightens us to see things from the perspective of God. You and I as human beings tend to see things from an earthly, humanistic perspective. God sees things from a different perspective. The Holy Spirit, if we ask Him, will enlighten us to see things from His perspective. Sometimes in the middle of a conversation or in the middle of a frustration, rant at work we need to pause and say holy spirit am i seeing this from your perspective and ask and wait and listen and he will respond paul says i want you to know the hope that word know is the word experience i want you to experience the hope that he has called you to but it's a supernatural thing 1 Peter 1.3, because of God's great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Romans 15.13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. It is supernatural. What we have to do is recognize, I am not being hopeful. I tend to be critical. I tend to be judgmental. I tend to view things in a certain way, and I recognize it, and I'm going to start asking for hope to fill my heart. Do it first thing when you get up in the morning. Do it throughout the day. Pause when you hear yourself being critical, and say, God, I need you to fill me with hope. I think as followers of Jesus Christ who have the Holy Spirit living in us, we ought to be remarkably different than the world around us. I do. I think our responses should be different in whatever career path or field we have. And sadly, I don't know that they're different. I think Christians today are just as critical, cynical, jaded, angry, frustrated as the world. And yet I know God is not any of those things. Yeah, that's good. That's, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get hope. Okay, so let's move on. Supernatural. It's also inter- internal. Internal. It's internal. That means it doesn't, it, it doesn't rely on external things. It's fully internal. Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in, again, view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your proper, true and proper worship. The reason that often we're told to keep God's mercy in view is that gives us perspective. It reminds us that you and I don't deserve anything we've ever gotten from God. We actually deserve wrath. And when we keep God's mercy in view, that keeps us from thinking too highly of ourselves and looking down on others. Because sometimes in the church world, we have a tendency to look down on others because we forget the mercy of God that actually has protected us and we then remember to view them with a different perspective. So often you'll hear this in view of God's mercy. We've already heard it a couple times today. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Is, is, Is your mind, quick question, on the inside or outside of you? 
It's on the inside. It's internal. Yes. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. If you and I are going to start seeing things from God's perspective, that shift, there's going to be an internal change that has to take place. Salvation is an inside-out thing. Now, eventually, hope gets seen in our lives, but hope starts internally, and it stays internal, I think. Romans chapter 4, Abraham, the father of our faith, it says in verse 18 of this chapter, against all hope. Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith. Now, I just, I just want you to know, I love the fact that the Bible presents him as without weakening, but I just, every time I read that, I'm like, <laughs> without weakening. Mm, Ishmael, what did you tell the king of Egypt again about your wife, like she's your sister? Like, there's tons of things that he has done. And yet the Bible still says without weakening in his faith. Keep that in mind before you're critical of someone else. I mean, you may be factual, but you may not be truthful in the way you're speaking about someone. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Okay, so hope doesn't say, my body's not good as dead. Hope says, my body is as good as dead. Okay, that's hopeful, <laughs> but it just doesn't stop there. It's just knowing that Sarah's womb, excuse me, I should keep going. Sarah's womb was also dead. Okay, there's no like, well, let's just try to be positive here. It's like, no, this is hopeless, but he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what God had promised. Here's the thing. He's like, my body's as good as dead. There's no hope, earthly speaking, but I serve a God who can do the impossible. So I believe if he's told me I'm going to have an offspring, somehow I'm going to have an offspring. Now he tried to manipulate it and control it, and however, that was not wavering. <laughs> because at least when God corrected him, he came back to the standard. It's not about never doing anything wrong. It's about always coming back to the standard. And if you and I, when, when we are starting to be critical, start blaming external things rather than dealing with the internal part, we won't grow. Because it's never the external things. It's not the difficult people. It's not the difficult moments of our lives. It's the internal things. When we as Christians start talking about the value of human life, it doesn't matter with the life, whether or not the life is still in the womb or whether the life is a very old person. All life has value, period. When we start talking about friends or enemies, it doesn't matter whether the person in front of me is my friend or my enemy. They have the same value. My response to them cannot be dictated by the external, whether they're my friend or not my friend. It's by the value of the internal that all life has value. And so when I respond to someone in a harsh way because they're not my friend, that's not their problem, that's the internal problem. 
And when I acknowledge it and say, God, I should have never said that to that person. I should have never responded in that way because that's not who you are. That's not how you've ever responded to me. That's not your nature. That's not the kingdom. Root that out of me and make that internal change. And sometimes we go back to that person and we apologize. Or we go to the person that maybe we vomited all over about someone else in our lives and all of the the junk that person has going on in their life and we say, I should have never even brought that into the conversation today. That's an internal problem. Staying in hope deals with the internal reality. My circumstances, whether they're good or bad or difficult or easy, it's not their problem. The internal problem, whether I am going through a hard time or whether I am going through a good time, doesn't matter. I respond out of the kingdom within me every single time. My performance, if I'm doing a good job or if I'm doing terrible. If, I'm just, if I've had a week where, man, I feel like I've done everything right this week. I, I've answered people well. I've read the Bible. I've prayed. We start thinking that, woo, I'm, I'm good. But when I'm terrible, again, it's the internal reality. And the internal reality is not set by our performance. It's set by the righteousness of Jesus Christ, our position. That's how we stay hopeful, remembering our position. Now, are, you, are we going to do this perfectly? Are we going to respond to everybody well? Are we going to respond to every situation well? No. And whether it's you or someone else, cut people some slack. Let them respond badly. Don't, it, oh, you're not doing what Pastor Dom said today. That's not going to go well, okay? Let people do it wrong every once in a while. And just trust that God's going to bring them back. Find a way to encourage them to get back on track without pointing out the flaws in their life. What we want to do is get is close the gap. When I say close the gap, it's close the gap between my bad response and my recognition of that bad response and my confession and repentance of that bad response. Because sometimes we will go a long time and we'll rationalize and, we'll, and we, we know the Holy Spirit's telling us to repent, but we're telling Him all the reasons why we shouldn't have to. We want to close the gap and get better at responding well or even recognizing what the right response should be. That's maturity. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. In 1 Corinthians 13, 7, it says, Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Those are two powerful words. It bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. That's a tall order. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. That love is also supernatural. It comes from God. Well, Pastor Tom, shouldn't we, isn't there a time to correct people? Absolutely. There's a time to correct people. Jesus was not, he, he corrected people often. If you remember when he, he wasn't afraid to call out John and uh, James and call them sons of thunder and say, you guys don't even know what spirit you're of right now. Uh, you want to destroy people and I actually have come to bring them life. So he's not afraid to call it out. But Galatians tells us if we're going to point out the sins in other people's lives, we do it gently, and only the mature should do it. And the mature, meaning the people who have started to close the gap, they recognize it's an internal problem. And maybe the reason I want to correct that person is an external thing and not an internal thing. 
Because sometimes our correction, I think, in the body of Christ is because of a preference that we don't like or because someone did something to hurt us and we're more out to get something for ourselves than we are to correct that person and see them walk in life. And that's not hope. These are tall orders. But I think we can do it because we have the power of the Holy Spirit. How we respond to the world around us whether we're not, whether as a nation we're experiencing revival right now or whether we're experiencing spiritual decline sometimes has more to do with our perspective than it does what we, what's actually happening. Because I could show you evidence that we're in revival right now in our nation. And I could also show you evidence that we're in a spiritual decline in our nation. Whose report do you want to believe? We're good in the church world at standing up and telling the world everything that's wrong with the world, but yet we've been called to something better. Doesn't mean we never correct anything, but there's a veil that covers their eyes. And they're not going to see what we're yelling if we don't come alongside and let love remove the veil first. That's good. And that leads us right to our last point. (laughs) Love or hope is not just supernatural. It's not just internal. It is eternal. 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 I was over-enunciating because, you know, they were close. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I came that you would have life to the full. In Philippians chapter 3, we're told that the hope that we have, we've been called heavenward. In Revelation chapter 13, Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world. Meaning, hope is not just, when I say hope is eternal, I'm not just talking about what happens in the future. I'm not just talking about what happens when we die. Eternal is bigger than that. God is eternal because he has no beginning and no end. God dwells outside of time. He knows the end from the beginning. That's why Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world. So what I'm talking about is, yes, that's a part of it. That's a part of our eternal hope. But our eternal hope starts today. We have to shift from the perspective of the world to this perspective that God has as the eternal existing one. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, these three endure faith, hope, love. They never end. There will always be faith, hope, and love. They are eternal. In Romans chapter 8, it says in verse 23, we believers groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory. If there's a future glory, can I tell you there's a present glory? The present glory is the Holy Spirit. He's the foretaste. He's here. Yes, there's a future glory coming, but we also have a present glory. Don't forget it. As long as we are in our bodies, as long as our bodies long to be released from sin and suffering, we too wait with eager hope for the day when God gives us our full rights. We have some rights. He's going to give us full rights as His adopted children, including the new bodies He's promised us. Verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. How can He do that? Because He's eternal. 
because he knew every mistake you would ever make before you were even born. He knew everything that would ever be done to you and everything that would happen to you. And he has already worked all of it into the plan he has to bring good into our lives. And that good sometimes is the kingdom explosion. Because sometimes we think good means everything will be good. J.W. Tucker is a missionary who gave his life. He was killed by the tribe that he was trying to witness to, and he was thrown into the river, and the body, his body was eaten by crocodiles. Doesn't seem good. But what if the eternal good is the salvation of that tribe? Along comes another missionary by the name of John Weidman. And John Weidman comes to this same tribe, and he hears that from this tribe that if the, the blood of a man ever flows in the river that flows through their village, they have to listen to the message of that man. Somebody had to be the one eaten by crocodiles so that John Weidman could give the gospel to a tribe that needed to hear it and the kingdom exploded. Doesn't seem good for John J.W. Tucker, does it? But in, according to the eternal God, it's good. And now, oh, that's a great mission story, Pastor Tom. But when we go into our workplace and someone mistreats us, Man, if we respond well because of the eternal perspective that we have in hope, even though, I guarantee you, your blood hasn't flowed in the river yet by being eaten by crocodiles. <laughs> Remember, we haven't yet resisted to the point of shedding our blood. It doesn't minimize what we're walking through, but it shifts our eternal perspective of hope. Jim Elliott was a missionary in Ecuador who was killed again by the tribe that he was trying to minister to. His wife, Elizabeth Elliot, then continued to work among the same tribe. And we love that for our missionaries. Do we love it for ourselves? I think sometimes we think because we, don't live, we, we live in America, we should put up with less. This is our culture, and this is our home, and this is... The kingdom principles should be internal and should be the same, whether I'm a missionary in a foreign land or whether I'm a citizen of heaven living in America. Because I am not an American Christian, I'm a Christian American. And that has to be my eternal perspective. One of our key verses as a church is Jeremiah 29.7. We work for the peace and prosperity of the city where we have been sent, not into exile, but we pray to the Lord for it because its welfare determines our welfare. This was written to the nation of Israel going into Babylonian captivity. And if you remember, the prophet Habakkuk is like, God, how can you use the, the ruthless nation of Babylon to accomplish your purposes? Because he's eternal. Because he sees the end from the beginning. And you don't have to understand how it all is going to come together. You just have to trust that the one who's holding it all together is good. And you have to be like Habakkuk and bring your confusion to him and just let it all out, and then at the end of the day, come to the conclusion that we're going to find in the, the end of the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, listen to his words. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, do you feel hope today yet? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. 
The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. So God's going to use Babylon, and all of that he just described in verses 17 and 18 is going to happen. And yet there's an internal reality that Habakkuk comes to where he says, God is my salvation. And if God is choosing to use this other nation to bring His will to pass for us, then so be it. I will trust in Him. Over the next couple weeks, as we start to unpack more and more what hope should look like in our daily lives, I hope, I hope that that reality becomes more and more a part of our external lives. Keep in mind, it's supernatural. We ask for it. It's internal. It never depends on my circumstances or the people around me. And it's eternal. It requires me to shift my perspective, to see things from God's perspective and not from mine. Because I guarantee you, not one of us in this room would have picked the nation of Babylon in our plan. We wouldn't have done it. They were worse than the people of Israel. And yet that's who God used. If you think about the Roman Empire at the time of Jesus, the Roman Empire was the known world. And yet here we are all of these years later, and this small ragtag group of people who talked about the name of Jesus still exists today. And the Roman Empire... Not so much. You may not get to see the eternal plan of God in your lifetime. You just have to trust that He's going to work it all the way through to the end. Today, you and I name our sons Peter, Paul, Thomas, and we name our dogs Nero. That's perspective. But in that day, looking at the church and the Roman Empire, you would have never thought this one would have outlived this one. It's the eternal perspective. And so, Father, help us to see with your eyes. Help us to stay in hope. Holy Spirit, I pray for those in this room today that maybe feel the, the correction of the critical, jaded, cynical reality of our lives how flippantly the words just roll off of our tongue that cut others down that should not be that has no place in our lives holy spirit help us to hear that corrective word today and help us to recognize the moment that happens in our lives so we close the gap so we repent so we don't blame the circumstances so we don't blame the the car breaking down and the stress that we're under we don't blame the the co-workers around us or the people maybe that pushed our buttons but that we recognize that this is an internal reality that needs to be shaped and help us to have that eternal perspective as we go through the through this week ahead as we go through the months ahead bring us up to your level of seeing and understanding the world around us Holy Spirit, do a deep work in our lives, not just in this moment, but in these weeks ahead. We want to be a people who live overflowing with hope because of the power of your Spirit who lives in us. Holy Spirit, do that work 
in our lives today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before you leave today, I'm going to be in this area. If you want prayer for anything, we haven't had an opportunity to pray for you. Or maybe something that I shared today, you just want someone to agree with you about that. Or if you're in the room and you've never put faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then I want the opportunity to to tell you those next steps so that you can be one that's filled with hope. If you're watching online, please use the, the Connect card or the message. Send us a message. If you want more information about hope, if you want more information about faith in Christ, use those resources to, so that we can interact with you as well. Before you leave today, make sure you stop by the table in the back and make sure you talk to someone. Find someone that you have never met that's in the room today. Introduce yourself. Find out who they are. Spend just 30 seconds getting to know them a little bit today before you rush out. And as always, don't forget your children. Thanks for being here today. God bless you as you go.